<laughs> yeah. <laughs> we made it go right. That's yes, the name of it. Yeah. Only forward for me here. Yeah. <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too, Mir. Pleasure to spend a little bit of time with you today. Talk to you, get some some insights, hear your story, and let you share your wisdom. Thank you. So, how do we start? You you roll. All right. Well, I guess I'll I'll just do that. So we're live on social media. So if you are watching us lives. Any engagement that you have, questions, comments, things like that, please put hashtag live. That way my team and Mir's team can know that you were here live and we can, <clears throat> excuse me, um, we can address those questions and then comments actively. If you're watching the replay, please put hashtag replay and then we can go back in afterwards and assure you support there as well. My name is Brandon Garrett. I am the executive director of Closers Club, and I am joined today by none other than Mir Ezra, spiritual entrepreneur, philanthropist, business coach, and a supporter of many uh, charities and companies all across the globe. So thank you for sharing your time with us today, Mir. Thank you. Thank you for being with me. And uh... I'm very happy we managed to go over the technical issues and we met the magic happened. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So your audience is very familiar with who you are. Uh, mine may, may not be. So I think it's probably a little appropriate if we just start from the beginning and you share a little bit of your story. Uh, I do know that you have a very powerful story growing up about some challenges you face. So if you'd like to share that with us, that would be fantastic. And don't be afraid to share a, a story you don't tell very often as, as well. Okay, good. So uh, I've born in uh, Israel in a very, very small city in the north of Israel, right on the border. And um, I was born with uh, my two feet pointing backward, but totally backward. And uh, from the age of three, I had the cast up to my uh, hips. And every three days, my mom will take me to the hospital, that, which was about an hour, an hour and a half uh, in the bus. They will take off the cast and break the fits, turning them, and put the cast back. And slowly but surely, they turn the fit around, but, uh, but they destroy totally the ankles. So I, up to today, I, I just don't have movement at all. And uh, after six years of not walking, basically, they said, uh, you know, you cannot walk. Uh, the, you, the muscle did not develop. Uh, you know, like from a baby, you, you, you just didn't use the legs. And, um, and I, I said, no, but I want to walk and I will walk. And uh, I started to really push myself. And I was doing, I was trying to do everything that everyone else doing. And I was doing it hundred times more and with more commitment. So if uh, people will uh, run and I couldn't run, so I will, at the beginning, I will just scroll and then we'll go on four. And then, and, and slowly, 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 I managed to start to stand and walk, but with lots of pain, lots of pain because the ankles are destroyed. 
And, um, and uh, basically, uh, I grew up and I just got better and better and better. Uh, but the pain stayed the same. The pain never got like this always, always pain. So I got to the age of 18 and in Israel at the age of 18, everyone goes to the army. And I wanted to go to a special unit. I didn't want to be just another soldier. <laughs> and uh, so I volunteered to be a diver. Now, I was lucky because in those days, there was no computers and they just asked you, do you have any problems physically? I said, no. <laughs> and, you know, they check your heart rate and this kind of thing. But they, no one thought about checking my feet because I didn't say anything. So uh, I got into this unit and um, it, uh, we, we started, the course is two years. We started 4,000 people and after two years we stayed 21 people. And wow. it's a very, very, very difficult course to normal people. Yeah. And I had huge, huge, huge pain. And um, it was so bad that uh, if I would take the shoes, you know, these uh, army shoes are very big. If I take them off, it was almost impossible for me to put them back in because the, the foot was always swollen always, always swollen from the pain. But I managed to do that. I finished the course and I, become a, I became a diver. And, uh, and while it was amazingly difficult, it taught me a lot. And um, I, realized, I realized that the body, you can handle the body in two ways. Number one, surrender. And once you start to surrender, you start to find reason to surrender in the environment. And mm -hmm. I saw people that just looking around and looking for reason to surrender. Why I'm not going to go to the gym? Why I cannot do that? They, they look around and find reason to surrender. And in a way, I was lucky because the reason that I had was so big that all the other reason to surrender looked like nothing. And I decided I'm not going to surrender to the body. I'm not going to, to stop. And, uh, and that was the big change in my life. I, I remember that when I was really young, I made that decision, the body will not stop me. I'm going to be the boss and the body is my slave and not the opposite. Most people serve the body and they are the slave to the body. The body says, I'm tired, they go to sleep. The body says, I'm hungry, uh, they go to eat. The body, the body says, I, I, I have an emotion, they get emotional. <laughs> so, so they're really a um, slave to the body. Mm. And the big difference is I decided I'm not a slave to the body. And, I, and I'll tell you a short story that you wanted a story that generally people don't know. And this is a very interesting story. So after the army, I was in the army for six years. And uh, I finished. I was supposed to stay five years because you, the course is two years and you have to do three years, but I added one more year. So after that, I went to the Far East and I climbed the Himalaya. I've done all kinds of crazy things and uh, with the money that I saved in the army because I didn't spend any money in the army, so I've saved. And it wasn't a, a lot of money. It was about, I think, $2,000, but at that time it was a lot of money because I was living like on $6 per day. So the money finished and I decided to go to sell um, picture frame, pictures 
in Japan in the street. Okay. And uh, it was a good business. Uh, there was a lot of Israelis that selling business, uh, picture for, uh, pictures in, in the street. And the basic idea is like you stand in front of a club uh, and uh, the Japanese will come down and they would generally be a little bit uh, uh, drunk and you will sell them these pictures and a picture, and you'll make a lot of money. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, it was a nice, uh, a nice training for as a salesperson. <laughs> Anyway, so one night there was these two Yakuza. Yakuza is the Japanese mafia. You can recognize them by the suit and the tattoos and so on. Two Yakuza, Yakuza come down in this wide, uh, white um, stairs, very big, very amazing uh, uh, club. And they come down and they are really drunk. And they coming and they stand next to my place where I'm standing, selling in the street. All the pictures are on the, on the street. And one of them kick one of the pictures. And I, I'm like, okay, he's a Yakuza, it's okay. And then they kicked another picture. And in my head, I said, that's not okay. Then if, they, if he kicks in uh, another picture, he's going to get a punch. Wow. And he, yeah, and I was, <laughs> I, was <laughs> I was like, after the army, you know, an Israeli guy. <laughs> anyone just come I, I just forgot I'm not in the army <laughs> so <laughs> the guy kicks another picture and I throw a punch at him now while I'm throwing the punch halfway through I realize how stupid I am but it was too late I was too cool <laughs> you're in there now <laughs> yeah I punched him broke his nose he's falling on the in the street his friends run to him, but they are both drunk. So they don't really understand what's happening, but I definitely understood what's happening. I picked up all my pictures, put them in the car, ran away from there, and I go to the place where all the Israeli were, and I told them what's happening. They said, well, you know, you are dead. I said, and I looked and I said, no, I'm not. And they said, no, no, you are dead. <laughs> and, and they say, you go now, it was like five o'clock in the morning. They, they say, you go now to the airport and you might be able to run away. I said, I'm in Israeli, I'm not running from anyone. And they said, no, you, you are. And, and my wife said, no, no, we are. And I said, we are not. And uh, I went to sleep, woke up in the morning at, uh, well, somewhere like two o'clock. I woke up and the first thing that I've done to, I've checked all the parts are still here. That was a good start. And no one cut any parts. <laughs> so I woke up, drink my coffee, and all the Israelis saying, well, you know, it's very dangerous. You're going to die. Da, 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 da. This is the mafia. And, and I said, it's okay. It's okay. I took the car at around four o'clock and I drove to the, to the club. Go on to the club, start to walk up those stairs and ask. And I said, I want to talk to the manager of the Yakuza, the boss of the Yakuza. Everyone looked at me and thought that I'm totally crazy. And they're probably right. <laughs> and, and, they, and I'm going up and they like all talking, talking. Who is this Gaijin, this stupid guy? Gaijin is like for, foreigner that's there, here. And, and all of a sudden I've got, you know, this huge guy arrive. You know, you, you know these people that have a body of a refrigerator and a head of an oven. Right. <laughs> and the guy, a guy arrived and hold me and throw me into a room and lock the room. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, and I'm starting to think maybe it was not such a good idea. And I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. And I'm like thinking, whoa, probably that was not a good idea. But I'll manage. I knew that I'll manage. All of a sudden, the door opened. This same guy came in and is doing that. And I'm, I understood I need to walk after him. Uh, they're opening the door. And there's this Yakuza guy sitting there with two girls next to him, a translator, and like five other Yakuza's around. And the translator said, talk. And I started to talk. I, I don't remember what I said. And the translator was explaining, uh, translating. And after a while, the guy that was sitting on the floor, the boss, picked up the hand. And I understood that I should stop talking. And he speaks in perfect English. Perfect. And he tells me, look, I really apologize. What's happened is not okay. And he threw a few words in, a, in a Japanese. And the guy with the broken nose arrived on the floor, apologizing to and everything seems okay. And he says, I want you to stay with me and I want to talk to you. And I said, I'm sorry, I have a shop to run. I need to sell pictures. <laughs> he says, don't worry, I will arrange it. I said, what do you mean? He says, you know, I'll make sure that I'll put one of my guys, one of the Akuza, they will sell for you. And the, the geishas will come with the customers. They, they will convince them to buy pictures and the geishas will get the picture and give you back the picture and it's wonderful business. You don't even need stock. <laughs> now, what, what's amazing, and we've, we, we became very good friends and I was in contact with him for years. What's interesting about this story is that I've learned uh, that the only way to fix anything in life is to face it. It's never as complicated as it looks. And the further you run away from it, the worse it gets. And it's actually better to die in the attempt to fix it than to run away. Yeah. And that's from that moment when I, re I, I knew that from the army, but in the army it's different. You come very powerful with weapons and da, da, da. This is you going naked to a place that you don't know anything. And the decision to go and to face the danger it's what makes the difference. Because if not, you may save your life, but you will not be living. Mm -hmm. Because you are not you anymore. Right. Yeah, so and that's through that extreme vulnerability, are you actually able to live freely? Yeah. So, so that's, what, that's how I uh, handled that situation. And from that moment, everything, everything flaw because uh, everything I've done, I confronted the situation. I looked at the situation in their eyes and not most people have this idea that if they will have, they will be able to do. Mm. They're waiting to have the right car, the right money, the right position, the right headache, the right, whatever. They're, right, they're looking for things to have so they can do. And I say, you do regardless of what you have and then you will have. If you wait to have in order to do, you will never do. Mm -hmm. you, will, you will move, but you will not, never do it in the direction of achieving results. And that's what, what happened since. So, the, so the, to, just to finish the history, so I, I finished in the Far East. I made a lot of money there. Uh, well, a lot of money at that time, yes. 
$6,000. <laughs> so I came, to, I came to Israel and on the way in Israel, I saw this uh, system that um, was supposed to prevent fuel, uh, fuel fraud. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, I went to the company that produced it and I said, well, I, I want to sell it in South Africa. And they said, no, there was a company seven years in South Africa. They just went bankrupt uh, six months ago. There's no way to sell it. They don't want it. I said, I think I can sell it. They say, it cannot be done. And I say, I think I can sell it. And they say, have you looked at yourself in the mirror lately? I said, no, why? They said, you know, you have long hair, you've got earrings. You've got chains on your hand. Yes, they didn't connect it in the Far East, but you still have chains on your hand. And you look like you're not a businessman. Do you understand? And I said, I don't need to have in order to do. And I went. Three months later, I've signed a deal with BP for 100 million US dollars. Mm -hmm. Three months. I didn't know how to speak English. I didn't have money. I had long, long hair. I had torn clothes. I could, my wife would translate for me the menu, but I closed the head of BP, not just some guy somewhere on the chain, the head of BP. I closed him on a system that became the most successful system in the world. Fantastic. And this is because I didn't think that I need to have before I can do, and I didn't look for reason to surrender. That's mm -hmm. the two things that makes the whole different, everything. Mm -hmm. And would you say those two things are kind of core values and beliefs that you have? So I would say that number one, I don't believe in anything. Why? Because belief is temporary. I don't believe in God. I know there is God. Because belief is temporary. If I said to you, look, I believe you, it means that earlier I didn't believe you and tomorrow I may not believe you again. Mm. I don't believe my name is Mir. I know. So I don't have belief. I have knowingness. I either know or I don't know. In everything I do, I walk towards knowingness. So that's number one. And in terms of value, in terms of values, uh, I think that values are extremely important because values define the, uh, you know, if you've got a, a river, it's defined the the sides of the river without without the sides of the river the river have no 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 power because it will flow all over and it will just create a mess so the value is defining what's what's right for you and what's wrong what's what is the thing that you are willing to play according to and um, and i think that the to summarize all my value is i will do anything that is the greatest survival to the greatest number of being people and things mm. it's it's not what good for me it's not what good for you it's according to the situation how many people benefit from it how many beings benefit from it and how many get damaged and i do the calculation and it's uh, and once you think like that it's becoming very logical you are not um affected so much by your emotions by all those other things mm -hmm. that's that's very i love the knowingness over belief i, I think yeah. that's a profound shift uh in a level of understanding about what conviction really means 
um, because I think a lot of the rhetoric out there is around you have to you have to believe you have to believe strongly but you're you're putting that on its head and saying that that's that's not the right level of conviction it's not nearly enough and you're the living yep. example of it yeah and, and i think that uh, when you know there is no effort and when you believe when you have anything else it contain an effort and anything that contain an effort cannot be true mm. because um, let, let, let's let me maybe explain what I'm what do I mean. Um, you will see that the physical universe. In the, we, we can say that there are generally it's not really correct, but generally two universes: the physical universe and the spiritual universe. Okay. Yep. Just generally, it's not exactly accurate, but just for now, we can say that the physical universe, uh, in the physical universe, the smallest number is two. You cannot go below two in the physical universe. Why? Because the physical universe do not admit of plus without a minus, big without a small, right without wrong. There is no atom that composes only of electrons. You need electrons and protons. For every force, there is counterforce, yes? So the physical universe is a universe of, that composes of tools, okay? Mm -hmm. So if the physical universe is composed of two, if this is composed of tools, it started with two. It didn't start altogether. It started with two. Yes. Mm -hmm. Does it make sense? Yeah. So if the if the physical universe is started with two, it means that what created the physical universe was not composed of two. Because the word "started" mean was not here before. When I say the iPhone started in eighty ninety seven, it means that before that the iPhone was not here. Right. Yes. So started mean was not here before. If the, if the first two items, what started, the point after the start was two units, uh, two uh, particles, what started it was not composed of two. Does it make sense? Yes, absolutely. So we can say that the physical universe is a universe that composed of twos, or something is anything that composed of two, and the spiritual universe is a nothingness, which means anything that do not compose of two, that can bring about tools, that can bring about physical things. So annoyingness is not coming from the physical universe. Why? Because the physical universe always change, always change, always change, always change. So what you see right now, it's not what will happen in millisecond. So and what you see is not what you actually see because it's always changing. So you can say that knowledge exists in the physical universe. Knowingness is something that the spirit possess. You know, you know something. So you use knowledge, 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 knowledge until you know. You try, you try, you try, you try, you try, and at one point you know, and once you know, you don't need effort. Mm -hmm. You can see that the, you take a dancer, you take a guitar player, you take a speaker, the moment that he knows there's no effort. If he doesn't know, he needs a teleprompter. And you can see there's an effort, there's a distance, there's cause, distance, effect, there is, there is effort involved. It's mm -hmm. not infinite, you don't just know. When you know, it's not physical. When you know, you can bring about anything. If you know I'm going to create a business, you will have a business. The business will start to fail when you start to put the physical universe in. What does it mean physical universe? Doubt. Plus, minus, plus, minus, plus, minus, plus, minus. It's a doubt. It's a constant doubt. The physical universe 
It's constant doubt. And the more you agree with the doubt, the more you agree with reason to surrender, the more you look for um, why to surrender, which means you agree with this doubt, the less of you you have, the less successful you become. Mm -hmm. Wow. So you touched something on there that's very profound with regards to the duality, you know, yin and yang and, and, and balance and how that's represented, you know, physically in the world we observe, and, but yet is separate from the spiritual. So what are some things that you have come to understand um, that you've implemented in your life that have allowed you to have the success that, you, that you've had. I know you've got the, the family-focused business that you're doing, which is phenomenal, and I'm sure your journey has, has played into that. So what can you tell us about that? Okay, so I, I, I think that uh, in order to be successful, you first of all need to understand what the word success means. What does it mean success? Everyone throw around success, but what does it mean success? And if you have a, a correct definition for a term, the definition will contain in it the solution to any problem within that subject. So if, for example, I take the, we spoke about the family, we, we talk about the word child, uh, most people think that the child is a kind of a life form. You know, there's amoebas, there's animals, there's people, and there's children. But it's not true. The definition of a child is not a specialized life form. The definition of the word child is a person like me and you, with a small body, always with good intentions, and often with bad results. You destroy the child the moment that you look at the result and not at the intention. So the only way to look at the child is to look at the intention because a child is someone that have always good intention. If you find the intention, you will see that the result will improve, yes? Mm -hmm. So what is success? So the definition of the word success is actually the sum of all validated improvements. And I will explain what I mean. The sum of all validated improvement. So you take, let, let's say this is a failure and this is success. So you've got very little success. What most people think is they do something, it's a little bit of improvement and they say, well, but it's not here. It's not success yet. So they're validating the failure. So it goes back to a failure. But if I look at this is good, and 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 I ignore the failures, and I ignore the bad, and this is good, and this is good, and this is good, and this is good, and all of a sudden, it will be a success. Why? Because success is the sum, is the number, not the quality of the validated improvement. You take a, you take a child that was born, and the parents see only the good in him. So for as long as the parents see good in him, the, parent, the child improves. The moment that you start to tell him, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, you fail. You take any person and you see that if you find what's right with him, he will improve automatically. But if you start to show him what's wrong with him, he will fail. Somehow people have this wrong idea. It's not somehow, there's reason, but not right now. The, the people have the wrong idea that you fix things by finding what's wrong. 
You fix physical things by finding what's wrong. You fix people by finding what's right. Mm. People are not things. Right. You fix physical things by finding what's wrong. You fix people by finding what's right about them. And the more, and, and number one with you, if you start to concentrate in what's right with you and ignore what's wrong, and as long as you find what's right with everyone else, you will see that you'll have to be a genius to fail. You cannot fail if you are concentrating only at what's right with you. I'm telling to my student, you need to be full with yourself. You need to be the most <laughs> cocky, arrogant, expensive person, but as long as you allow everyone else to be at least as arrogant, as cocky, as amazing as you. Because then you are actually, that's the normal. You are not really arrogant. You are not anything. It's just you are perfect like you really are. You are perfect. Mm -hmm. And actually, anything that is not perfect is not you. But only as long as you allow to everyone else to be perfect and know that anything that is not perfect is not them. If your wife or your son or your friend behave not nicely, it's not him at that moment. And you as a friend, your job is to ignore what's not him and to talk to him. Helping to fix what's not him. Don't attack him because something that is not him is behaving badly. Mm. If you really get, if that's changed, everything changed. And that's why I have this family academy because the family academy uh, teaches parents um, what they actually need to do. Most parents think that they need to be better parents. They want to be a better parent, just automatically. And I, I tell you for sure, you cannot be a better parent. No one. Why? Because when you parenting, what does it mean parenting? You have a baby, you are a parent. That's it. End of story. You got the, you got the result. <laughs> you understand? You've got the result. You're a parent. That's it. Right. What you can be, what you can be, you can be a better friend. Mm. You can be a better man, you can be a better support, you can be a, be but generally a better friend because a friend is, will compose all of that. So you don't learn how to, to become a better parent. Parent is something, it's an accident of birth. You know, you've got a child, you're a parent, end of story. What you learn, what you earn is the friendship of your child. And now you have an amazing relationship because if you don't have this friendship, you, you, you have a child. You're a parent, but you don't have what you want, which is the love, the admiration, the, this, thing of, this thing of like, I'm so proud of him. All of those yeah. uh, feelings that we want because you go towards the wrong target. You're not going towards being a better parent. It's impossible because you are already a perfect parent. You brought the child, he's healthy, end of cycle. Now you need to become a better, a better friend and that's you need to, to learn because people don't know how to be friends. They don't mm -hmm. even know the definition of the word friend. So how can they be friend? Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing that I'm doing. So I'm teaching the Family Academy. By the way, this is a totally free um, thing that I'm doing, 100% free. And I'm doing it every Saturday at um, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and um, it is, uh, uh, and anyone can register. Simply, you need to go to um, 
mayorezra.com. And I think that I can show it here, mayorezra.com forward slash family. And if you're watching us in, uh, on Instagram, it's on uh, my bio. So this is the first thing that I'm doing. It's super important because it's creating the future. That's mm -hmm. the future. Other than that, I'm doing business. I'm teaching people business and then spirituality. Now, many people tell me, what's the connection between business, spirituality? How does it work? And I said, look, most of the spiritual people think that they need to be poor. And most of the business people think that they must not be spiritual. They're both wrong. Why? You cannot be spiritual while you are hungry. If, if you have a, a debt collector knocking on your door, believe me, at that moment, you're not spiritual. If you have an accident, you're not being, you're not meditating while you're doing an accident. Yes. Mm -hmm. That's not what's going to happen. If someone, if you don't have food and you are hungry or your children are hungry or the IRS is after you or something happening physically, you are not going to be spiritual. It's nonsense. So the first thing you need to handle is the physical thing. You need to be able to care for yourself, your family, your loved ones. You have to learn how to print money. There are two ways to do it. Number one, the easy way, which is just become Jewish. <laughs> That's a little tougher than you think for some people, especially yeah, the exactly. old standard is standing up to the Yakuza. <laughs> exactly. So that's the, but the actual, there's an actual way to, to create money. And it's much, much, much easier than most people think because no one ever taught them how to actually do that. And what I do when people come to my seminars on how to actually create business and become uh, successful. What I tell them is like that. You come to my seminar, you pay me money. If you don't get the target that we agree that you will get, regardless what's the reason, don't pay me, I'll pay you. Wow. Yeah, because I know for sure that if you come to those seminars, you will print money. No question, not maybe, not Always, always, always. Mm -hmm. Then once you got that, once you really got this handle, once you have enough money to eat, then I'll teach you spirituality. Not before. Because if you have a physical problem, you, you, number one, you will not be able to afford me. And number two, you cannot concentrate on studying. If you have right now a problem, if you have a real problem right now, Believe me, I'm not thinking about spirituality. You will not progress. So that's why I built it in such a way that first of all, I'm handling the families and this is a general thing that I'm doing to help mm -hmm. the future. And then I'm doing business. So it will enable me to teach what I actually want to teach, which is spirituality. That's mm -hmm. a power, powerful sequence, I think. And it's definitely different than the than the norm, right? The, the the going message is the spirituality first and all the attraction and your beliefs and peeling back the layers of your limiting beliefs. And you're actually saying that's the wrong approach. Yeah. yeah because I, see, I look around and I see the 
all those people that uh, try a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, the percentage of people that actually making it is 0.0000000001. And uh, they're ending up worse than what they started. Mm -hmm. Because the sequence is incorrect. You need to, first of all, print money, solve the problem. Let, let's say, let's say I know that the spirit can heal the body, but mm -hmm. your hands is cut and you hemorrhaging uh, blood. Am I going to tell you now, uh, let's do some uh, meditation? No, first of all, I stop the blood uh, from flowing. And then once you are somehow, okay, we'll talk about meditation. Mm -hmm. It's just the sequence is incorrect. It doesn't work. And people have so many problems. They, they, they are so uh, stressed and worried and in so much anxiety that even if I improve them a little bit spiritually, let's say they come to a seminar and I really pump them up and I improve them spiritually. They go out, someone cut them in the street and they take a gun and they want to shoot them. What kind of a spiritual person are you? Mm. You're getting so upset with someone that cut you in the street. Where is the spirituality? Right. So it's beautiful to say and to sit in a very nice room, air conditioned and say, oh, I'm very spiritual. But your wife says something and you're willing to kill her. <laughs> Believe me, you are not spiritual. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So with the massive amount of students that you've worked work with and people that have attended seminars, what's the most impactful change that someone can implement to start to integrating that philosophy and that sequence of parenting business and spirituality first, because I think a lot of us out there feel like we have to have a little bit of each in each day. Uh, but to your point, maybe the ratio is wrong. And, and how do you see in your experience how that can be changed um, just with a, with a knowingness, let's say. Yeah. I think that then, once you start to understand the principles, when, when, once you start to learn to study with me, what I teach you is the basic fundamentals of this universe. And I'm doing it in the direction of business, of I want you to make money. But in order for you to actually execute and not be a robot that's just doing something that someone told him, you need to understand the fundamentals. So, so I'll give you an example of what I'm doing. For example, someone come to study with me. So when someone come to learn, he expect to get knowledge. Yes, they come. They want knowledge. It's normal. Yes. I say to them, the first day that they come, I tell them, listen, you come to learn from me. From now on, we, I don't give you any knowledge. What I do from now on, I start to delete from you something that I called fake realities. Because you already know the definition of the spirit is this thing that knows. The wonder is how come this thing that knows, this thing that has been created in the image of God, all of a sudden do not know how to go to the, I don't know, to balance a book, checkbook. How come that you don't know how to sell? How come that you don't know what the other person thinks? So the first thing that I do is I get them off this drug that called I need more knowledge. You don't need more knowledge. You need less knowledge. 
you need to know. And if I just delete the fake realities, fake reality I define as a piece of information that you are 100% sure is right, but when you use it, it doesn't bring the expected results. So every time you didn't have the expected result, you are using fake reality, but you're so sure it's true that you don't even suspect that that's the problem. Mm-hmm. So what I do at the beginning is I remove fake realities and it's a painful process. That's the difficult part because they love their fake realities. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're so used to them. They love it. And uh, there's a specialized way to remove fake realities. And once you start to remove fake realities, um, they, they say that the miracles happening. Ma- miracles happen. Just miracles start to happen. Because you, the, 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 if, if it doesn't, if it's work with effort, it contains a lie. Anything that has effort contains lies. When, when someone comes to you and gives you this complicated story about what's happening, if my wife comes home and starts to give me a complicated story where she's been, she's lying. She's lying. There's no question. Yes. There's no question because everything is simple in life. If it's not simple, it contains a lie. The same thing in business. If you don't simply go sell, get money, print money, print money, print money, print money, and if all your customers are happy, you have a lie. The lies are this fake reality. Remove them, and you cannot not be successful. Wow. And that, that is quite amazing to see. Uh, and, you, and, and you can look on my Facebook or wherever, and you'll see that the wins that people have is uh, life-changing. And I'm talking about from uh, the simplest thing as making money to curing lifelong diseases to do doing all things. And I'm not a doctor or something. I'm not curing diseases. They're doing it. Yes. I'm not telling them take this or take that. They're doing it. And by the way, the body starts to behave as you want rather than giving you problems. You become the boss. Mm-hmm. You use the body. You don't serve the body. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, the, the whole concept of fake reality and trying to remove that because it's not getting you the result you want is definitely a different take on the deep self-work that we all have to do to do to get away from our attachment right to the physical the physical universe that we live in i mean you you've touched on it very eloquently that we are spiritual knowingness and beings having a physical experience and attaching our beliefs to the validity of of that physical experience that we have is what limits us from experiencing the miracles yeah yeah it's very very true and then the more you the more you learn the more you will see that um Oh, the more, and when I'm saying learn, I mean the more you delete data, mm-hmm. the more you see that people are really perfect. They are so good. They are so good that they have to say all day long what's wrong with them so they will not see what, how good they are. That's why people find so many faults with themselves and others. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, if you will see how good, how perfect, how powerful you are, you will be like, okay, so what next? I, I, it's boring. If I'm right. so good, it's boring. 
the, the, imagine that uh, Michael Jordan come to play with a three years old that has no hands and he wants to play basketball with him. It's not, it's not interesting. There's no game here. Right. That's the problem that we face. We are so powerful and so good that we have to create those uh, problems. So, so we create some interest, but we can do that in such a way that it's not damaging. And mm -hmm. that's what I'm teaching you, that you are really, you're good, you're perfect. And you can, it's, it's, it, you're so good that it's boring for you, but you can create a game with, with knowing that you're creating a game and not becoming a robot or being a pawn on someone else's board. Mm -hmm. It's very, very different. Yes, it is an extremely powerful shift to go from, um, and really what it is, is, is a scarcity-based mindset versus an abundance-based uh, mindset. But to go from, I'm all powerful, and so I'm creating these problems because I'm bored to, I am so powerful, I can create whatever game and journey that I want to have and achieve um, is a huge shift. Uh, yeah. in the way that we, we think and operate. And I think that really gives us a, a good point to kind of tie up some of the, the core pillars that you've shared with us, um, you know, from the, the lessons of, of childhood and, and not believing in anything from <laughs> the, the I, I can't even fathom that experience of a child of having to have that, type of procedure done and, and i i know a little bit of how intense it is because my wife's a physical therapist and so when i was doing some uh you know initial research before we started talking she was like wow that's really really intense <laughs> um, and and just how she communicated it um you know for you to have started from that and leverage that in such a way that you didn't let it hold you back, that you are that all powerful being that can create um, anything you want. And this infinite game is extremely profound. Um, and I also think at that young age, you had a concept, it seems like of fake reality almost, you, you couldn't articulate it that way, but you certainly yeah. would, were living it, it seems like. Yeah, yeah. I, I couldn't say, I couldn't describe it maybe, but I definitely knew. Mm -hmm. definitely and again, knew. that's that, that knowingness, right? Because growing up in the Jewish faith, um, all, all the Abrahamic religions really, we're definitely not taught that at all. <laughs> not one bit. <laughs> definitely not that. That was not part of, <laughs> it's not, it's, it wasn't good. <laughs> Yes. Fantastic. Well, as we as we wrap up, because I know we have about an hour or so typically sketched for this, uh, I have really one burning question that I personally want to ask, um, and it's going to be interesting to hear your response. So I know you're going to give great value um, when you answer it, um, but I'm excited to hear and for your audience to hear. Um, so, you know, you made, you know, essentially your first hundred million by the time you're 31 years old and, and now, you know, over two dozen companies all over the globe and you're, 
you know, a father, you have, you know, three, I believe, you know, gorgeous children and family, you're um, not necessarily in your twilight here, you're still a pretty young guy at, at 56. But if Mir could go back 40 years and have a conversation with, with younger you, with the purpose of sharing a lesson and advice that might teach you something important or maybe prevent a struggle, what advice would you give that 16-year-old Mir? Yeah, don't buy ever ever, 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 any invitation to hate anyone, to find fault with anyone, to not love anyone, at any cost. Die and don't hate someone. Die and don't find fault with someone. Whatever they tell you, whatever the situation of, or someone tell you that someone else is bad, no, 100 billion percent, the only thing that not changing in this world is people are good despite the fact that they do bad things. And if you see the good in them, they will stop doing bad things. At minimum for you, but for anyone that connected around you. And if I knew that earlier, I would do even much more good in the world uh, because the only thing that I would change is I will do more good. I will see more good in people. I will help more people. I will start uh, helping earlier. I will do, uh, I just help more. And the only thing that prevents a person from helping is because people telling you about some other people, look, those people are not good. You need to be careful. You never be careful. Never believe that someone is not good. Never. It's never true. I never found one person. I was working in all the jails in Israel. All. 12 jails, other than the political jails that we were not allowed in. I was working in all the jails in Israel. I didn't find one person that when you actually sit with him, you didn't find that he actually was really good. And when he committed the sin that he committed, it was only in an effort to resolve a problem that he didn't know how to resolve. Every single person that commits a sin, commits a sin in an effort to resolve a problem that he has no tools to resolve. And if you really understand that, you understand that the only way to fix and to help yourself and others is to never believe that someone else is bad and for sure, don't find fault with yourself. Never, ever, ever entertain anything other than total 100% admiration to other people. It doesn't mean close your eyes for bad things. It doesn't mean that there are no bad things. There are many bad things in this place. They're not bad people. There are many bad things, not bad intention people. And if you understand that, everything in your life, in my life, would improve 100 billion times. And it's hard to believe that it can, but it can. Because overall, despite the fact that I had a very tough life in the beginning, you know, um, I was born with the legs pointing backward and so on, but we were a very poor family. Very poor family in the uh, north of Israel. Every night, 
30 bombs on us, 30 missiles every night for years and years and years with not even a place to protect yourself. You understand? Yeah. So, so it was terrible, terrible, terrible. But I think that if I had this one change that if I would really know that everyone always, always, always are good, my life and the life of the, everyone around me would be 100 billion times better. Wow. That's yeah. very, very deep and profound, um, especially that that shift that has to take place in acknowledging and separating um, someone's physical actions from their spiritual intentions. Um, and especially pointed was, I think, that you said they're just trying to solve a problem. They don't have the tools to. Exactly. That's all. Yeah. That's all. So if you understand that. Yeah. If you understand yeah. that, you cannot hate them. You cannot hate them. You cannot. You cannot find fault with them. You, if you are no, if if you if you have any heart, you would want to help someone like that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Because because people are really good. People are really good. They do terrible things. But the intention is good. And if you start to look at the intention, you will see that everything improves. That's fantastic. Look, look at children. Look at children. You start to give them validation. You start to admire them. They shine. They change all the behavior. They don't believe you at the beginning because they're so used to be hammered by the adults. But if you start to, to just see the perfection that is them, you see that, wow, what's happening? It's unbelievable. And not only what's happening with them, what's happening with you as well. Mm -hmm. It's really beautiful. Indeed. And that's how you, you, you change the world, right? I mean, the, the fundamental basis of the Family Academy is healing that relationship within the family. So the next generation um, kind of starts from a, a better place um, yep. physically and spiritually. It's phenomenal yeah. work that you're doing, Mir. Bless you, Thank you. for taking Thank that you. approach and sharing all that with us today. Thank you. Thank you very much. And thank you for everyone. We have a lot of comments. Yeah, uh, we sure do. <laughs> lots of comments. We've got comments on uh, Instagram. We've got comments uh, all over. We've got people from Israel. We've got people from South Africa, from uh, the US, Canada, India. Like a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. Uh, and I don't know if everyone sees everyone uh, comment, but uh, you can see some of the comments here. Amazing interview. Wow, Nomi. And here, Anita Hearts. And uh, 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 super. And uh, 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 yes, uh, well, a lot. Wow, a lot of what? Wow, great information. Uh, life changer. Uh, miracles. Yes, like amazing 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 yes that's unbelievable okay wow thank you very much thank, thank you, you again very very much mir for your time and your wisdom um i'm sure we'll be in touch i'm closely familiar with shamaya makar who's how this uh, all got set up two amazing students of yours so i'm sure We'll chat more in the future. It's been an absolute pleasure. 
Thank you very much. It was really nice. Anytime, and, and if you need any any help, if anyone needs help, follow me on Instagram, Mayrezra Official. Write to me. I always answer. It's me that answer, not someone else. And I always help. And you usually people don't like my answer, but it works. <laughs> I tell you what you need, not what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Everyone, thank you. have a blessed week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.